The Process, a podcast about creativity and experimental music. In the world of experimental music, outcomes and accolades for creators can be uncertain and at times seem far and few between. Therefore, creators and practitioners of experimental music must embrace the one thing they will always have complete control over, the process. This podcast aims to understand this creative process by listening to new works and discussing them with their creators. Each episode focuses on one creator and their music. Understanding how and why they create can inform aspiring creatives and help audiences better understand and navigate experimental music. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and I'll be your host as we explore the world of experimental music, creativity, and the human need to find purpose in their world and lives. This is The Process. Rodney Duplissy is a Canadian composer and programmer exploring intersections of science, nature, technology, and music. He studies processes and patterns from natural and human-made systems to extract latent musicality and visceral sonic narratives. He incorporates algorithmic and intuitive methods, field recording, sonification, and software development to create electroacoustic and chamber music, museum installations, and network music collaborations. His music has been performed and recognized internationally. As a programmer, Rodney creates innovative sound processing and synthesis software. In 2020, Duplissy, Curtis Rhodes, and Jack Kilgore released Emission Control 2, an interactive real-time application for granular synthesis. In 2021, he released Cosine, a synthesizer that sonifies a quantum wave function. Rodney Duplissy promotes new art through organizing festivals and concerts and as program and development director of Nomadic Soundsters. Rodney Duplissy holds a master's in composition in media arts and technology and a PhD in composition. On today's episode, we listen to Rodney's piece, Psy.
will be, for example, reading a, a book um, about a scientific topic or watching, you know, YouTube videos with from yeah. my fav- favorite science communicators. And, sure. um, yeah. you know, and I just sort of, the, the author might be talking about some, some scientific uh, process or, or principle or law or something like that. And, and it'll just sort of trigger me to think, well, wait, that sounds, that sounds musical to me in a way. Yeah. Um, like there's music in there. And then I start to play with it. Um, and I start to experiment with it. I um, toss the idea around in my head for a while and um, well, it start, start to interpret it in, in different ways. And um, th- there's, yeah, so there's two ways to do that, I find. There's this sort of phenomenological sort of um, just purely um, interpretive, intuitive way of, yeah. of just sort of like, I'm just inspired by this, and I'm going yeah. to write music based on how I feel when I think right. about this. Um, yeah. And then there's the very rigorous sort of algorithmic, I'm yeah. going to take the mathematics of this mo- right. scientific model, I'm yeah. going to take, you know, the algorithms and, and all of that. Um, and I'm going to translate into that into sound and that's, you know, sonification right. really. Yeah. So sometimes it's like a, a scientific phenomenon, like, I don't know, uh, like rainbows or something like that. Like what are the conditions for that? And then you're like sort of translating that. Well, is there a musical equivalent to that? Right. Like, is there a musical mm-hmm. equivalent to that situation? But then you're also talking about like, the water molecule piece, right? Where yeah. you're like, you know, yeah. deciphering the the mathematics or statistics behind that. Yeah. Um, so it can be either those two scenarios. Um, but where do you go from there? Where do you start to flesh out the idea? Are you like working in an Excel spreadsheet? Are you working uh, in some type of uh, data crunching software? Or are you in a DAW? Are you on a synthesizer? How are you, how are you beginning that process? With my piece Coacervate for violin and electronics, I talked to the violinist who was also a, a chemical engineer. Um, and that was um, uh, Chelsea Edwards is her name. And she's brilliant as a violinist and a, a chemical engineer. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about her research. Mm-hmm. So um, long story short, we decided to sonify her research sort of, or musify it, musicify right, yeah. it, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I, I came up with a few systems for translating um, the molecular level interactions that were happening into um, musical notation that could be played by her. Right. Yeah. And then she played all of these sort of gestures for me, recorded them. I think she even recorded the first initial ones were just recorded with her iPhone. And I had did a lot of cleaning up on those and generated. um, And from that, I uh, manipulated those through various, um, you know, electronic means um, into the electronic part of that, that piece. And one other thing she did was also take some recordings of field recordings in her chemistry lab. Um, just of like sounds, yeah, vials yeah. clinking and machines yeah. working and things like yeah. that, um, just to give it that sort of sense of like space in a scientific setting. So with that piece, it began a lot with um, the recordings, the sounds of these things, but that was also previously informed by the scientific model. Um, mm-hmm. With Psy, it was, I started with a tool. Um, mm-hmm. I started by building a tool that I would use to sonify um, this quantum phenomenon of a, it's called a quantum harmonic oscillator. And that was 
that was the instigation for the piece, the quantum harmonic oscillator. It was I was I was looking into quantum physics, particle physics, and I'm very interested in all of that stuff. And I came across this particular one that was just like it has oscillator in the name. I mean, how, <laughs> you're like, how much more musical can that be? Yeah. Exactly. It's, <laughs> come on. It wants to be heard. This it is a concept that wants to be heard. Yeah. yeah. And so the quantum harmonic oscillator, I mean, briefly is basically a, um, a model for a, a, a particle, a fundamental particle, like a, like a hydrogen atom, for example, um, or any quantum object you want to describe can be described using this quantum harmonic oscillator. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a way of finding these, you know, famous sort of probability distributions, the wave, the Schrodinger wave function, the Schrodinger equation is involved in, in, in generating it and you get a wave function from it. But what's really interesting about it and what really caught my attention was it's, it's a, it's a very dynamic sort of thing. It's a, it's a wave function. So you can picture just, a wave, um, yep. you know, say a sinusoidal, a sinusoidal, yeah. Yeah, a sinusoidal yeah. kind of wave, mm -hmm. but it's um, constantly evolving over time. So it's, it's shifting and it's morphing um, as the probability of the particle being in a particular state changes over time. Absolutely. So it has this sort of morphing and dynamic quality to it. So it's not your typical sort of stationary like wavetable, for example. Right. Um, so that's what really interested me about this dynamic uh, aspect to it. So I um, I acquainted myself with the math behind it. That took a little while. That was definitely <laughs> a big part of the process. Yeah. Uh, some light reading. Some light, some light reading. reading. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but I was really excited to get to the the fun part, which is after I did all that, I started to couple that simulation. I simulated one in a software, um, and I. Did I made that software in C++ um, mm -hmm. with uh, the Allolib framework. Anyway, so I, I generated the simulation, which gave me like a visual representation of it as well. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, how do I couple this to sound? And I had built up a few ideas as I was working on it. Um, and I started to play around with that. And mm -hmm. uh, basically I built that tool and I started to yeah. sonify that simulation in different ways. And that provided, I, I recorded an output from that software, probably 90, I think it was 96, 90 to 100, somewhere in that range, sound files yeah. out from it. Was there a specific source material that you were inputting? Like, was there a certain sound file that you were inputting into this algorithm yeah. or did the algorithm create the sound itself? Yeah, no, it was, it was pure synthesis. Um, it was okay. not uh, sound processing in this case. Right. So it's not like we're hearing this, like a, the sound of a, a chicken through this or something like that, like yeah. another sound. It, it's being created itself within. Yeah, the, it's being created the from the wave function. The shape of the wave is basically what you hear. That's um, what we're hearing. And uh, that's not to say, I mean, there are, there are ways that I used it to process sound. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that it does is gives you a probability um, distribution mm -hmm. about the particle. So, you know, mm -hmm. A quantum particle is not necessarily in any particular spot. Um, it's sort of a probability function until you actually observe where it is. So it's impossible to actually know where it is before you observe it. So the probability distribution is fundamental in, in, in quantum physics. And it's this kind of stochastic tool, a la Zanakis or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. And um, 
I used that in some cases to give me, for example, panning data inside. There's right. a lot of um, there's a lot of sounds that are jumping around chaotically in the sound right. field, and right. um, that's sort of using the probability sampling that probability distribution to give me panning data for a sound that's just flitting around like a quantum particle might. I decided with Sai it was uh, probably not a good idea to only rely on the quantum um, things that I was yeah. doing. And yeah. rather, it would be a lot more uh, fun to listen to, create a better narrative if I had something to contrast that with. So right. what, you're, what you're picking up on in the first part there, which is pretty apt of sort of penny falling and settling, yeah. was classical physics, which is what the piece opens with. It opens with classical Newtonian physics. Okay. Um, and that is sort of exemplified by the Newton's cradle. That's the sound right. at the beginning. That's right. this yeah. tick, 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 tick. Yeah. You know, that's your, the, 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 you know, the balls that the knock balls, each other back yeah, and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. 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 Um, so I decided, okay, so this piece needs somewhere to start to anchor it. So we're going to anchor ourselves in classical physics and yeah. then gradually shift into the quantum weirdness right. Right. and then by the end of the piece maybe find a way to combine the two and yeah. just sort of like have them influencing each other in different ways so that was that that kind of formed the narrative of the piece for me i think that new a newtonian idea at the start then does sort of come back very briefly at the end too it so does, there's yeah. like a little bit of like a like we're either back or they're bookends or yeah. 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 You're kind of back and, but like there's residual quantum weirdness from, yes. from delving down <laughs> into that like yeah. particle, uh, you know, quantum particle world. Um, but so yeah, in the beginning, all of the gestures, all of these little mm -hmm. micro flittering mm -hmm. sounds mm -hmm. pan very linearly. Like they're going left mm -hmm. to right back and forth. Yeah. 
there's this uh, rocking. There is a, there is a physical yeah. sort of rocking back and forth. Yeah, and so there are physical movements, and this is something that I've I've done in a few pieces now. Is mm-hmm. you treat the sounds like they have have physical properties, mm-hmm. um, and the shifting of their energies. So like, um, you know, you can treat a sound as if it has physical properties like mass, momentum, right. inertia, right. Uh, internal yeah. energy, heat, yeah. entropy. Um, yeah or even gravity, for example, uh, and, um, using physical metaphor for me in music involves shaping the evolution of that sound, um, or a group of sounds, uh, according to physical, real physical laws that would govern how physical objects might work. So, um, an object doesn't simply start uh, doesn't simply like start moving on its own. It sort of is triggered by a reaction from another object and that could be moving in space or changing in pitch or, uh, sort of oscillating all of a sudden sort of being like struck by another sound. And I, I really do. I I often imagine my sounds as like physical objects interacting with each other. And in the classical side of things, this works really well because it's clear how things interact. You know, you have Newton's laws, which everybody learns in high school. It's pretty basic, you know, Um, equal and opposite reactions. You have, um, but there's, there's inertia in the piece. Like there is this, like, I've noticed that, that part of what kind of keeps everything or sort of creates a form within the pieces as these things get going, they start to interact with each other and build and get to these sort of, climax points and then they disappear or they go away or so I can feel that uh, inertia now that you're describing it as inertia before I was I was just seeing it as kind of a building of complexity which is a natural musical thing right is that like as you know it gets higher it builds and yeah yeah the music comes from the physical laws and and that's part of you know my tendency to be inspired musically by by science and physics especially i think is one of the sciences that's most rife for sonification and musification because it is it describes dynamic systems um and to me like music has to be dynamic um that's like one of the main qualities is it's sound but it's changing sound physics sort of describes how things change or how they move
it is. It's a tightrope walk, and it, I'm I'm always going back and forth, uh, and and trying to find that. Just do, tune that in, dial in that nice like sweet spot between like being again i call it just being intellectually honest about like my program notes basically like my so that my program notes aren't um bullshit for lack of a better word and um and also making interesting music that's that's like engaging to listen to has layers um has counterpoint has Mm -hmm. multiple things going on things interacting it's evolving and it's um and it's you know sort of also saying something, and then there can be um, the like with Psy, there can be a um, a basic narrative implied by the sounds, uh, by by the quantum physics. You know, this piece is about quantum physics. I could just say that, but I also like to imbue like a bit of a, a, a meta narrative on top of that about you know in this one it was about like a, a, a sort of I, I kind of imagine versus, it as yeah, yeah classical yeah. versus quantum. Yeah. I kind of imagine yeah. it as like you know you're if it were if it were a video piece, you know mm-hmm. you're you're looking at a Newton's cradle and then you kind of zoom in on the Newton's cradle and you zoom in and zoom in and you start seeing like the the, the molecules and then the, the mm-hmm. atoms that are making up these and then you realize that those are behaving in really mystifying ways you just can't even wrap your head around like what this uh you know how how does this almost chaos, chaos, chaos yeah. micro scale turn into the the very predictable classical laws that we know mm-hmm. um and so it's perspective it's about uh it's resolution about, right you, you know, know having I, the uh, ability and and perspective yeah 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 and um yeah, and I, this exploration and this trying to make sense of the world and like how does this lead to this, like like I mentioned, that's one of the motivations for me doing this. Um, you know, why am I doing science and music? Like, why do I so often do that? Um, and I think like on the one hand, as a composer, I'm always looking for new, interesting sounds and interesting ways of musical means of musical ex- expression, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, new means of musical expression. And um, I can find that by exploring scientific models. And then on the other hand, I feel like I, I kind of hope to inspire and provoke people to have new perspectives um, as they're listening um, by creating music and software and tools that sort of encode science into it. Because um, I, you know, if there's a sort of political leaning in my, in my work, it's kind of that like, uh, (laughs) lack of scientific literacy is sort of eroding our society like bit by bit. And, um, and that troubles me all like it, it haunts me every day. So I, you know, I guess I'm making a, or even, even approaching, even approaching the world in a scientific yeah. with a, a scientific perspective. Yeah. Even just the act, yeah, of approaching something like music, for example, in a scientific way, you know, right. and uh, being... Or so- even just like you said, approaching the world of science through a musician's perspective. Yes. You know, like, like yeah, that. both ways. Like, just, like, because people are like, what's the use in that? Like, wh- yeah. why have, why do you need a musician's perspective? Like, what, yeah. what is, you know, like, how yeah. is that useful? Yeah, and, and, and there actually is evidence that, um, you know, people have done... Uh, people have pointed out 
that there is a strong connection between um, the, the musical brain and the scientific brain. Um, scientists themselves, like big, like Einstein and Bose and like um, uh, several science scientists have said that their scientific discoveries have come from a musical intuition, thinking about things in a musical way, almost like maybe they, maybe they're sort of exaggerating a little bit, but I think there's something there of like, just thinking about things in, in a musical, the structures that we use in music are so complex sometimes. You know, if you look at a music theory textbook, um, you know, the, a student who is fresh trying to learn physics and trying to learn music theory, I feel like yeah. it's equivalent when you look at both of them. There's yes. like in these <laughs> structures and this, uh, this, this history that's been built up on both sides that you have to understand right. under, to, to get either of them. Yeah. So I think there's a similarity there in just the way of thinking um, yeah. between music and, and science. Well, uh, Rodney, this has been fantastic. Um, we're, we're about out of time here. Um, before I let you go, um, where's a place that um, we can go to learn more about you and your music? Pretty much all on my website, uh, rodneyduplicity.com. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I try to keep that up to date. I, most of my music is up there um, and free to listen to. I, yeah, I don't have SoundCloud or anything like that. I just put it all on my website. Thanks to Rodney for sharing his time, opinions, and music with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out other episodes in the series. And as always, like, subscribe, or leave a comment on your preferred podcasting app. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and this has been The Process.